can just raise your hand. We have some people passing some Bibles down. Um, also, um, we're, in, we're in chapter uh, 14 right now. So please go ahead and grab some Bibles. If you need to go ahead and stretch right quick, that's cool, because we're going to go do some training right now. So uh, yeah, you want everyone to stand up real quick and get a little break? You guys want us to all stand up? Let's stand up. Let's stand up. I always want to be that kind of passive. Everybody stand up. Stop. All right, y'all. Y'all ready? Just getting some word. Um, if you're new, again, this is our training time. Our hearts here is uh, the, 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 the tendency every week, and this is just what we all got to go through the rest of our lives, I think, is the tendency is for you to be the spectators and for me to be the performer, and that's not what we want. Um, we really want this to be a time where we're being trained together in what God has said in his truth and then applying it to our lives and being able to leave here um, feeling like we know a little bit more about Jesus and what does it mean to be, uh, to be his servant as well, as well as a co-heir with Christ. That's our passion. That's what we want to trust the Lord for. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're in John chapter 14 right now. Um, you know, great time in John. Some themes that keep hitting over and over again. We're going to see those same themes this week, um, which are added new flavor um, in, uh, toward the middle of John. With that said, if everybody has a Bible, we're going to turn it to chapter 14. We're doing some pins here. If you turn your, fly, you turn your, your programs on the back side, there's, some, there's an area where you can write notes down. And what you're going to be praying for me is that in the fall, we're going to be going through an epistle. Uh, and, and my heart is for the fall is for us to have uh, like a little booklet. I would love to have a booklet where we have uh, like, a, like a study guide so that we can go through that together as a body. I mean, that we can make and then we can go through it, which even helps us more learn uh, the truth of the Lord. OK, so we've got a lot, to, lot, lot of work to do. Um, if you're new, feel free to ask questions. We just ask that the, that the questions could be edifying, that you could ask yourself if this is going to probably benefit the body, and that would be great. Um, don't feel free, that's just how we are. I'm going to go ahead and start, um, how, by God's grace, I'm going to read, just as we read the Word, just understand this is the Word of God, this is, this is what happened in history, uh, which I, it always blows me away that, this, that all this happened. Um, we start in verse uh, chapter 14, verse 1, and I want to uh, set a little... A little context after I read verse one it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, trust in God. Trust also in me. Okay? What's interesting, and we've talked about this a few times, but let me reiterate one more time because it's very important right here. We have uh, him starting off by saying, you know, do not let your hearts be troubled. And this is on the eve. He's trying to prepare these guys, right? Because this is on the eve of his crucifixion. This man's about to die. He's about to die a gruesome death. Uh, in his mind, it's not, it's not even necessary. That's what I focus on. But that's not even necessarily probably his biggest deal. Uh, his biggest concern is he's about to leave these, all these guys kind of stranded, or at least they think so. And so he's saying, look, I've got to prepare these guys somehow and understanding I'm not going to be here much longer. I mean, you were riding high on a hog for a while um, with me, you know, seeing some miracles and people running around and liking me, so they must have liked you too. Uh, you know, we had a couple of dangerous times, so it's kind of exciting. Well, it's about to get crazy and you won't have your leader. And so let me just encourage you a little bit. I love the command here. This is not, this is not a suggestion. Uh, in the Greek, you have your imperatives. This is a command. Uh, he's, he's basically saying, like, don't be troubled. Like, I'm telling you, anxiety is not what we need to be about here. 
Uh, so do not let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God, uh, trust also in me. Sometimes we can read that and we can think that he's, like, is he, what is he saying there? So is there like you trust in God and then you trust in Jesus? Well, I want to I want to store this verse in your heart as we get to, I believe, verses uh, 9 and through 14, is that he's always trying to show himself uh, as being one with the Father. And actually, this is a beautiful verse. This isn't a verse that gets us in trouble. This actually does some cool things because it shows us Jesus' deity. Why? Because he actually tells these guys, just like you trust in God, trust also in me. Hmm. His point is, I'm God. Right? So actually, it's a beautiful verse that, that, that proclaims actually the deity of Jesus. So, um, you know, if you're ever hanging out with Jehovah's Witness, you can just take them to that one, too. But... Um, so, yeah, so trust in God, trust also in me. He's trying to, but I want to encourage us, he's trying to reaffirm, um, if you didn't get that, Jehovah's Witness don't believe Jesus is actually God. I saw people going, what does that mean? So, that's all right, praise him. So, um, so, so he says, trust in God, uh, trust also in me. But you've got to keep in mind, like, he's trying to, he's, Jesus, what he's doing here is he's trying to encourage these disciples. Like, the reason why I'm telling you to trust in me, uh, the reason why I need to get you prepared is, uh, is first, I'm leaving. But you need to know I'm not asking you to trust in, like, a really good dude. Right? I'm not asking you to trust in someone who's just, like, kind of powerful. You know, a prophet or something is that I want you to understand that, that the, the person I'm asking you to trust in, and this is the tenor of the whole chapter, the person I'm asking you to trust in, the reason why you should not have anxiety, the reason why you should have courage, is because the man that I'm asking you to put your faith in is actually the Lord. And so, he, so, so that's why I also the whole trust also in me. He continues on in verse 2. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. Uh, if it were not so, I would have told you. Um, I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, uh, that you also may be where I am. Okay, so, he then talks about this place, this father's, my father's house, there are many rooms. Okay, again, this whole, our whole perspective of heaven is kind of skewed. Um, here's a couple of things that the Bible gives us about heaven. First, the Bible gives us a lot of hyperbolic speech about heaven. When I say hyperbole, it's just a 50 cent word uh, just to say exaggerated speech, something that's exaggerated. To make something really known, to make, to, to, to really, you know, sometimes when you really want people to get something, uh, you, ha- you exaggerate it. Uh, and, and the point, now for us as humans, we exaggerate without a lot of information, so we can end up lying and stuff, you know, but, but that's not God. The reason whenever God exaggerates and does the exaggerated speech is because he's saying your mind is too puny to get this. So the reason why Jesus does exaggerated speech is because he's saying, let me tell you something, right? Man, heaven is so amazing, you can't really get it. You can't understand this realm. So let me put it like this. It's going to be like rubies as wallpaper. You're going to walk on streets of gold, Right? And his point there is to make the speech so you go, wow, I don't know exactly what, what it's going to be like, but it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Now, let's talk about heaven. Heaven, we look at heaven a lot of times, and I'm just going here because we're in the verse here. We think heaven is, again, the place out there. All right? It's, it's somewhere really far. Whereas the Bible is always talking about a sphere, a realm. Okay, and that's why it's funny because we kind of know that we'll talk about the spiritual realm, 
But then we think there's a spiritual realm, but heaven is like in Disneyland. Like it's like there's a little place here. But no, the spiritual realm is heaven. You follow me? That realm, that place, that, 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 that sphere of being um, is, is, all, is, is here, but it's just not revealed. And so what happens is when you and I enter into the place of faith, which I'll get into in a moment, we get put into that spiritual realm. But, I'll, but we'll talk about that in a moment. So, so first, let's get our understanding about heaven, guys. Heaven is not, and I know I've said this before, it's not really a few miles from Pluto. Okay? It is not... It, the focus is not location here. So you say, well, why does he say my father's house and there's many rooms? Why does he say all that? His point there is not that you're going to be, there's going to be some awesome glorified hotel room that we're all going to be in. His point is that, is that there is going to be a, a place for the redeemed. His point is that there won't be one person like, where we'll go, what do I do with you? I thought it was going to be 300 million, 400, you know, that's not, that's not what God is saying. God is saying there will be a place. And so his point is that in my father's house, in my father's establishment, in his realm, there is place for the people of God. That there won't be one person who's supposed to be with the Lord who won't be because it just got kind of booked up. All right. So, so you have, so you have this sphere, this realm, and the reason why that's so important, I'll say it again, guys, because when you look at Romans 8, when you look at Isaiah 65, you look at these, you look at these verses, you look at, you know, the end of Revelation when he talks about new creation, is that God is going to take that sphere, what, what, what new creation and what the goal of creation is about, is God is going to take that sphere, that realm, that where, where he is, and then what he's going to do is he's going to take earth, like what he's also created, and he's going to glory, he's going to make it all new. And so basically, the whole world is God's. And he's going to dwell here in its perfectionness, and we're going to dwell with him as we are perfected in Christ, as we are glorified in Jesus. That's, that's the goal of creation. The goal of creation is not, I'm going to die, let me float off to heaven and destroy earth. I don't really care what you do with earth. That's not the goal of creation. So you go, well, what happens when we die? Okay, so heaven is a sphere. It's a place of, it's a place of reality um, it seems that the Bible also is clear when we talk, we look at very famous passages in the end when Jesus is on the cross and you got the thief and, 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 and Paul talks about, you know, us being with the Lord. So it seems that what happens is until, until that goal happens, family, that people who die, who love Jesus, enter into that realm with the Lord until he brings all things to full redemption. So we will be in that realm with God in heaven until he merges heaven and earth as new creation and raises us as new creations if you die before God returns. Yeah, I know this is a lot of stuff, right? But, yeah. yeah Yeah, very fair. So, so what Furkan is talking about is that, you know, it says that Jesus, that they saw Jesus ascend bodily into heaven. And so there's two meanings of heaven in scripture. There's the meaning of heaven as in God's sphere, and there's a meaning of heaven as in the sense of clouds in the sky. Okay? And so what happened was Jesus ascended, and then, but it wasn't, it wasn't as if, well, I don't know, I wasn't there, but we have the picture of Jesus ascending like an airplane kind of deal, and then you kind of get a little smaller, a little smaller. But the focus there was not about the ascension and else he's, he's going to be traveling. It wasn't like 
they couldn't see Jesus when he got really far up, but Jesus was still floating outside the earth. Because that's, that's where you've got to go, right? If you're going to take that theology, he still was floating until he got to heaven, you know, which was like, you know, three miles from Mars or something. Like, if it's in a, no, I'm not, no, guys, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to shake us to, to make sure we're thinking biblically about it, because I thought this, I think the same thing, and I've thought the same thing. But, but here's what's interesting about that thinking, by the way. I mean, this, this is a caveat. Western society is the one who thinks this. It's not early church history. This is not the normal thinking. We think it is because we think we run things in, you know, America. But it's not. You go, you go to, I mean, even other traditions look at us like, what y'all, what y'all talking about with heaven? I mean, Eastern Orthodox, um, I mean, you even study uh, Catholicism don't think that. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, like, early, early church history, this is, a, this, is a, this is a new thing, this whole it's here and I need to go there to a place. So my point in saying that, the point of Jesus rising bodily for them to see was not about them realizing that heaven was a destination, but them realizing that Jesus actually, whole glory was, his, his whole body was glorified. For them to have to be like, oh my goodness, he was not an apparition. But, he, but, he, but he, was, he was bodily, for him to be bodily and all those things. So I don't know exactly where he went, but, but I'm just saying that that's not the normal mode of operation um, to, for, for, for church history. It's, it's way more new uh, than we think. But the normal mode is that heaven has always been a sphere of reality and then we enter into that sphere, even as believers right now, that you and I are actually in that sphere, which is a whole other discussion we could talk about. And that what, when we die, we actually get to finally see the sphere for what it really is, because we're with the Lord. And then finally, when he comes and recreates all things, that, 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 that heavenly reality, basically God's dwelling place, that's the whole point of heaven. The whole point of heaven is not even location. It's that God's there. That's the whole point of heaven. And so that's why the whole point of, of new creation is not that he, he's going to bring like some nice drapes or a really cool couch to earth. But the whole point is that God is going to fully be here and fully be known and seen by all. And that, he's going to be, and, he's going to be, and that the whole earth is going to be filled with the Lord's glory fully. That's the whole point. The whole point of, is, and that's the whole point of everything is, is really God, God, God. So, 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 so some of it I can't really answer like but but I but I but I I'm convinced that the whole point of that issue was to 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 know that man Jesus was actually a body you know that's why they did the whole poking and all that whole thing I don't know exactly where he went I'm not even convinced I understand exactly why he had to go up because um, all they did was cause all kind of drama so I'm gonna ask him when I see him but um <laughs> so that's all I got man let me let me just um, let me just <laughs> for the sake for the sake, just um. For a second time, let me just move on real quick, and then I'm going to try and jump through and then and maybe bounce back. If you can, like, jot down your, your question, that would be awesome. Um, so um, where was I? So he says, uh, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Even, by the way, I love this. You know the way to the place that I'm going. So, again, just, just, just thinking, um, not, even, not just thinking grammatically, thinking from a perspective of story. So if we you keep the same thought, so it's a place. It's a place out here. But he says, you know where I'm going. Is he still talking place? I'll tell you, no. It's ne- His point is, why, why would he even say that? Why would he say, you know where I'm going? Because that's kind of, because, you know, Thomas thinking like us. No, I don't know where you're going. Right? That's what he says in the verse. Um, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I don't know how to get to Pluto. 
right? But look what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't give them map quests. Jesus says, Jesus answered, he gives them a mindset. Don't get this, family. I mean, make sure you, he says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. What's the way? How, what's the way? How do you know what the way is? What's the direction? Jesus. That if you are in Jesus, you are placed in that reality. That Jesus is the way to this home. Um, so Jesus answers, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, and, and he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So the way, you know, we, um, who, somebody, somebody spoke in our body. It was awesome. Did the Jacob Ladder thing. It was awesome. And uh, was it Matt or somebody? But, but, but yeah, so Jesus being the way. So he's that conduit for us to know where to, how to get to the Father. Jesus is that way. And, and I love what he says here in verse 7, family. He says, if you really knew me, you would uh, know my Father as well. Uh, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. So what is he saying there? What is he saying, family? He's saying to these people that I have already not only shown you the way to the Father, but you're with him. Like you, you, you know him now. You've been to his house. Just sticking with the text. You've been to. So, but they haven't been wherever we're supposed to go. Um, again, the, 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 that beauty. See, it does something to us when we realize, whoa, are we in that realm now? That, that something happens spiritually to you and me when we say yes to Jesus in our hearts. We say, you're my king. We're going to pause on that one because the verses take us there. So I'm always getting ahead of myself. Um, so, he, so he, and why is this important? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Family, get it. He is about to, drama's about to happen. Peter's going to deny him three times. Um, I'm the way. Okay, well, next tomorrow, I'm, I'm the way, Jesus. Well, tomorrow I'm going to see you hanging limp. I'm, you're the truth. I'm the way and the truth. The truth. When I'm watching you dead up there, the truth, you know, a lot of lies are going to come into my mind. I'm going to, I'm going to want to believe lies. And he's almost like he's, he's like preparing them. I'm the life. Well, really? You know, you're hanging dead on the cross. Can you imagine during that time when they're seeing their king who just said all that stuff up there looking totally defeated? Dead. Spirit stuck in them. Beaten. Crowns. Probably can't really recognize the brother. Crunched up. Next to two thugs. It'd be hard to believe. It's like he's like, I'm telling y'all, soak this in now because it's going to get crazy. But see, that's not just for the first century. That's us, right? You become a Christian, right? And it's all cool. You kicking with Jesus, nice retreat. Somebody brought you a meal over. Oh, this is awesome. I love these Christian things. Let me pause there for a moment. It says in verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, and I'm going to fly through this, because we've been in these verses over and over again. I know you guys are tired of me talking about this. Um, but, but I hope we get it. I hope you guys wake up in the night and go, image of God, image bearer. Because I'm always talking about you bearing God's image. You just like, <laughs> you know, like you just don't know what to do with it. I'm going to keep saying it until you all just grab me and the brothers take me in the bathroom. And look, man, you say image one more time. Like, 
So it says, don't you know, Philip, even um, after I have been among you such a long time. Look what he said. Don't, always, maybe make it a light verse. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He said, I love this. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He just says the same thing like two or three times. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. He's like, if you don't, if, you know, if you, if you kind of tripping on what I'm telling you, have you watched anything I did? He says, um, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Powerful verse. Store that in your heart. Doing greater things than Jesus. Hmm. Um, and I will do uh, whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. The whole concept of that passage, guys, that pericope, is he's trying to make one thing really clear. That just as he bears God's image, that remember what we talk about, is that the way he shows us the Father is that he bears God's image in such a way. He does what God does, says what God says, thinks how God thinks, loves how God loves, serves how God serves, proclaims how God proclaims, exhorts like God exhorts, rebukes like God rebukes. Think of something, think of a character trait, communicable, something that we can do also as humans or incommunicable, or this God does, he does it all, so that at the end of the day he goes, I, I, was, I did everything like the Father, that I was a clear, a clear image representation to him for you. That when you see me, you see the Father. And, oh, it doesn't stop there, family. Don't miss this. Why does he do all this? Not just so he can go, well, that was really cool. You are God. But then he says, I did that so I can help you get something. You're created in God's image. You bear his image, too. Your image is marred. But guess what? You love Jesus now, and God has given you the Holy Spirit. He's recreated you so that you can have an opportunity filled by the Holy Spirit to bear God's image well. So that the same thing that Jesus not only proclaimed and did by modeling the image of God to the people, he says you and I can do that too. That's what it means to be an image bearer. And that's what discipleship is all about at MacAve family. Don't miss this. Reason why everyone's in each other's business, reason why we're diving in and trying to serve, the reason why we need to be courageous in discipleship is because, hear me, we are not trying to make people like us. I'm not trying to say you need to have a nice middle-class lifestyle. Why are you broke? That's not what this is about. Not, oh, I'm, I got a master's degree. You need to be educated. That's not what this is about. This is how I parent my kids. You need to parent my way. That's not what this is about. The reason why we're in each other's business, please, and this is why I, I just, I'm telling you, us pouring into one another. I'm saying all the stuff you want to do, I just say, I love y'all. And I want you to pour your life in another person. That's what gets me excited. Because when you do that with, with courage, you're teaching a person not how to be like you, but when you're doing it according to the scripture and not your own worldliness, you're teaching them how to bear God's image well. That's why we disciple family. That's the only reason. It's not, it's not just some, some thing that we just really want to, this is the way we do things. It's not about that. We're just convinced. This is a great opportunity, one-on-one, where you can teach someone, this is how the Lord acts. This is how he loves. This is how he cares. This is how he wrestles with sin. And you can teach someone how to be more like Jesus. 
me running my mouth up here, it's okay and y'all cool, but it doesn't teach you how to be like Jesus. He says in verse 15, if you love me, and that's why this, this retreat is so important, family, because we're trying to encourage brothers that, guys, we want you to just say, I got all these dreams, and I want you to put some of them down and say, can you just disciple somebody? It's life-changing. It's life-changing. I'm just putting people on blast. I'm sorry. I feel like what, what David did for J-Rob, for him challenging you to stay here this summer and be, and, and be poured into and serve and care, I think it's going to drastically change your life, bro. And I praise God that he had the courage to speak into your life. And that could have never have happened from someone just running their mouth up here. But that happened, you meet eyeball to eyeball, and somebody knowing you a little bit and saying, I'm going to take a risk. He says, if you love me, you will obey. I'm really happy. I just get excited about the text. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsel. Look what he says here. So he says, I'm trying to give you... um, he says, so I'm telling you, we've got to get you ready, guys. So this is going to be a really hard time. But guess what? I'm not just asking you to, you know, man up, homies. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to die. He says, now wait a minute. I'm going to give you something. Look what he says here. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, check it out. Another counselor. Another counselor. Sometimes we can think other counselors kind of like, I'm a counselor, and, like, and then you're a counselor. So you're kind of different than me. But I love this. The Greek is in the sense of, like, I'm giving you another counselor of the same kind. It's like, the very, I'm giving you me, is what he's saying in layman's terms. So it ain't like, okay, you leave and you can give me this, homie. <laughs> But he's me. He's the Lord, the spirit of truth. And then how long is he with us? Hallelujah. He gives us the spirit of truth. says he's with us forever. Now, don't miss this. In chapter 14, in chapter 15, chapter 16, it's great teaching on the Holy Spirit. It's extremely important for us, family of God, my dear, my dear family here, to understand and cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. But not so you can just know the Holy Spirit. This ain't about spirit hunting. This ain't about trying to get a lot of power. This is about understanding God more to bring glory to Jesus. We'll learn in chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit's W-2 form every year says, I bring glory to Jesus. That's what he does, right? So if you just out here just knowing Holy Spirit, there's something drastically wrong. But we need to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we might understand clearly how to understand our Lord Jesus. Um, it says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him, nor miss this, nor knows him, but you can know him for he lives with with you and will be in, in you. This issue, the situation of he's always with you, but he's going to be in you. This issue of residence, family. Um, it says, I will, not believe, I will not leave you as orphans. See, I'm not going to play you, family. He says, I'm not going to leave you out here. I know it's hard. I know it's crazy. It's going to be difficult. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not orphans, but I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. Now, I love how he says, the world will not see me anymore. I want to proclaim to you, um, he's talking in the sense of like when he rises from the dead, he didn't start just revealing himself to unbelievers, by the way. That's not what the scriptures proclaim. He reveals himself to his people. There's a whole kind of stuff we can go there about God's thinking there. 
But notice that. So, so it's almost like he rises from the dead, and, and the playbook is kind of in, it's, it's intensified a bit. And God is, God is serious, and he's about to do something. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm not revealing myself to my people. So yes, he says, the world, you know what? For the resurrection component, I think he's talking specifically in history about the resurrection. They're not going to see me, but you will. I'll be back. Um, move forward, because then he says, uh, whoever has my commands, I'm sorry, verse 20. Um, on that day, you will realize that I'm in a father. See, on that day, on that day, like, it's all going to be like, oh, you know, because it's kind of sad until they saw Jesus again. And it was like, oh, it's on now, baby. That's a, right. That's what happened. Um, he says, um, you will realize that I'm in a father and you are in me and I'm in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Um, now, let me pause. Let me pause there. On that day, you will realize that I'm my father, you are me, and I'm in you. Let me just uh, let's talk about something real quick. Let's talk about there's these two realms. There's these two realities, right? There's, uh, there's the world. There's a way the world does things and the, world, and the way the spirit does things, right? And let's pop that up real quick. Now, <clears throat> world versus the spirit. Do they agree? Now, the way the world, it says in the scriptures there, can't see, can't know, can't accept God. Don't miss this, family. This is very important about us having a cultivated and cultivating our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The world says, they can't see God, can't know God, can't accept God. But us, we, the scriptures just said, he lives in you, you know him, and it says he will be with you, right? So be with you, lives in you, and we can know him. Why is this important? Because he, here's what happens. How do I say this? Believers all together. This is what happens with us. We go through life and we get hit hard. You start walking with the Lord and it all breaks loose. Okay? Friends start tripping. Family members start tripping. You have people in your family who've been going to church their whole life. All right? But now they see you actually, that church isn't just Sunday, and they think you're crazy. They've been going to church their whole life now. But now you actually are, are realizing that, no, this, this Jesus thing, like, like he actually is my king. And like every aspect of my life, I'm trying to get over to him. They go, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, we ain't crazy now. We just doing church. Right. So, so some of us, we, we're, we're, you know, we're out, we're out the closet. You know, we're like, I love the Lord. And then what happens is some of us, it's like our, our legs out the closet. Because, you know, we, we like, man, well, I just stuck my leg out the closet, my family tripping. What's going to happen if my whole body pop out? Right? That's what happens. And so we go through this journey of this, of this struggle. There's a struggle. There's, a, uh, there's this, this hard struggle. Now, what happens is you have the experience externally, right? You have the persecution and struggle externally. And then what happens is the lives of the enemy start entering you internally. So first you get the reverb, boom, boom, oh, oh, but I do love, I love you and I love the Lord, and, but the Lord is my camp channel, and then you get enough drama, you start going, is this worth it? Did he, he really rise from the dead? Do I have to be this Christian? Does every area of my life need to be given to the Lord? And so we do two things, right? We either... We start trying to manipulate our spiritual walks on worldly means, right? So what we'll do is we'll sort of just, just, like, just like, like sort of squinch our light, all right? So we won't experience any drama and actually think we're being obedient to Jesus, right? We actually think, oh, no, this is, this is you know, the Lord wants me to sort of just calm down a little bit, 
Or, you know, we, we start trying to, I mean, I remember, I remember, and this is true, so my, my mom, okay, I used to sell, I, in high school, got caught up in stupid stuff, and so I started, started selling some crack, and I was just trying to be cool, and I had to make some money and stuff. And, um, and I, I mean, I, I cussed like a sailor, just, just, a, just a knucklehead, just a total jerk. Um, and, um, and I come to Jesus, right? Now, crack dealer. And when I came to Jesus, my mom walked to me one day and was like, where's the O.E.? You just changed. I missed the old Eric. You mean, mama, you missed the Eric that used to cuss people out with fight and sell drugs? You mean, you mean the evil Eric was more comfortable to you than the one pursuing holiness? It, it's, it's that deep? Okay, so what do you do there? See, some of us, we take it personal. That's why the Lord has given us his word. He's saying, don't take this personal family. They hated Jesus. They're going to hate you. It's not personal. Your family hating on you, not because they don't like you. It's because Jesus is a light. And where he goes, he shines radiantly. And so people aren't saying, I hate you. They're saying, get that light out of my face. And God is saying, don't obey them. You, with love and humility, shine Jesus. The world is not in tune with the activities of the Spirit, family. You cannot expect people, just because they went to church, to understand what's going on in your heart right now as God is doing a remake, as He's recreating you and making you new. This is hard. This is real, though. This is true life. And we're all experiencing it on some front. And the tendency is to compromise or to never stick your whole body out. And I'm telling you, those are lies. Don't play church. What's beautiful about this, you become a believer. What God says, again, you become a believer. He says that we now enter this new realm, okay? So the Bible says. Romans 8, it talks about that, that we are now in this realm of the Spirit, okay? That now we have no condemnation, but even, even as important is that God has literally placed you in an area that's foreign to you, and that he's given you the Holy Spirit to give you help, right? And so you're in this new realm, but this was interesting, you got, you're in this new realm in an old world. So God has said, I've given you myself, I've given you the resources, I've made you new, I've given you a new task, but I've done all this in an old world that I'm recreating. And that's where we come in. That's why missions isn't an option. It's not like you do this if, there's, if, you, you know, if you're done being sanctified. God is saying it's part of the journey. That God, I would propose to you that the Bible is teaching you, you grow in holiness so that you will be a God-centered missionary. Not just so you can stare at Jesus and go, you're so cute, I'm so cute. We really like each other. I'm holy, you holy. That's, but, but, that's, but that's evangelical America, right? You get holy and you just walk around holy. You walk around nice and you and Jesus and your worship music, you know, and you've got all these deep things you've thought about and you've journaled and your eye, you cried your eyeballs out, but you haven't served nobody. God is saying that's not Christianity. Holiness is, 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 is put in us. He makes us new so that whatever we're sharing to the community as we're being lights is appropriate and is accurate. It's real. It's out of relationship of our king. 
me jump down real quick so we can go get out of here. Um, so we have throne wars. You hear me, family? We all have throne wars, right? And that's what happens. You, you, you put Jesus on the throne, but then all the drama hits, and then you kick him off. And then you, you say, get up, Jesus, and you put him back on the throne. And you, we have these throne wars, okay? That's what happens in our life. Because of the lies in our belief system. Because we don't want people in our life. We don't want people telling us what God has said. We think too highly of ourselves. I meet a lot of, of, our, of people in, our, in, in just life as I serve the Lord, and it's amazing how they think they know the scriptures. And uh, we say, I'm just keeping it real. We, me and Sarah, we, <laughs> y'all can kill me for this one. This is, this is not good, but I did it. So we were in Africa, and there was a family, and I just get so frustrated because they would just, they were so, they would just dog the scriptures. And I just say, Sarah, cause, and they would, just, they would be so haughty about it. Like, I just get up every morning and have this quiet time with the Lord, and it's like two hours. And I, and I say, baby, if I hear her say every day, you know, I get up every morning and I just faithfully misinterpret the word of God. And, and that's not fair. I know. Because we all, we all in process. But I was just mad at her. So I need to probably find her Facebook and repent. But um, I'm sorry. But it was hard. it's hard because you know what happened. My point there is we all get so haughty. But that's why I like the community of faith. So that we can have a community where we're challenging each other. And we're saying, no, it's not just what you think. There is a telos here and, and a rule and it's not about, well, the way I take it. Well, I'm not really concerned about the way you take it. What does God want us to know? And so, so what God is saying here, and so the, the tenor of chapter 14 is I'm going somewhere. I'm giving you power. But now how, now how do you not have the throne wars? How do you not just kick them off, put them on, kick them off? What does that look like? Well, it goes on down here. Look what he says. He says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, verse 21, he's the one who loves me. Uh, he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I, too, will love him and show myself to him. Um, he he reiterates this like three or four times all the way down the text. There's a sense that he reveals himself more to people who are dedicated to him. Now, see, I say this over and over again, family. I am convinced it's again shown in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think it's theologically totally astute that people, we want, dedi- we, we want the revelation, we want the presence of God, and then we make dedication an option. I might be dedicated to you, I might not. Jesus is saying, no, that's not how it works, family. See, I'm God, you're not. He's saying, no, 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 no. See, I, 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 if you're dedicated to me, that's when I <laughs> reveal myself. That's when I continually show you. But be weary if you know you, you're not dedicated to the Lord, but you keep acting like you're just getting all the super revelation. Be weary of that, family. And family, you'll be weary of that when you have cats around you doing that and you don't see no godly character. Continues on. Uh, then Judas, not the Judas Iscariot, I wonder if he said to the Lord, hey, Holy Spirit, can you not make sure they, they differ me from the Judas that's going to betray you? But, um, but Lord, he said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Uh, verse 23, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, see how he says it again? He will obey my teaching. Isn't, it, isn't this deep? Love in Jesus is so pragmatic. This is not deep theology here. He's like, if you love me, you like, you just sort of, the, the, the people who love God do what the loving wants. That's what, he, that's what he's saying to us. Just continually encouraging us over and over again. I'm going to jump down. 
All this has spoken, verse 25, and while still with you. But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Hear this care. Will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give like the world. Let your hearts not be troubled. Um, two quick things. So he's saying, you know what? The way that we do this is by understanding, having this cultivated relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we do that by really understanding what God has said in his word. Wow. You guys are like, I heard that before. We've got to take God at his word that by understanding him, it's not by just being a Christian a long time. It's really saying, I want to get and slowly begin to lo- understand and love the story of God and learn the truths of God and apply them in my life. I just am convinced, family, there's no easy road to sanctification. Everybody want all this knowledge right in their bosom and don't want to spend the time and the training. I don't think there's an easy road. So, so there it is. Um, he says, "Peace, the peace I give to you, which I would tell, I would tell you in a Hebrew mind, peace was not like a feeling, but the peace that people get from a Hebrew's perspective was to know God. To know God was the peace." Like to say, peace I give to you. I'm giving this opportunity to have relationship. I'm going to jump down to 30 and we're done. He says, I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. Because the rest of the verses are saying basically the same thing. Um, I will not speak to you much longer for the prince of this world uh, is coming. He has no hold on me. Uh, I'm going to do what the father does basically in a nutshell. I wanted, to, I wanted to end there because he gives all this reality. And I love how he says that. I just love how Jesus, every once in a while he gets kind of street, doesn't he? I mean, can you imagine him saying that? He's like... You know, and Satan's coming, and he ain't got no hold on me. Right? This is last, right? That's what he said. That's how he brings it. Because he knows it's about to jump off. So he had to remind him again. Hey, now, when you see all this, remember, Satan has no hold on me. But they're like, well, yeah, he does. You got that cross on you, and you're looking all weird. And No, 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 no. Remember what I said to you now? He says, I got to do what the Father has commanded me. You see the ending of the verse? The reason why this is happening is not because Satan has me in a headlock. It's because I'm doing what the Father told me to do so that I can redeem all creation. This is my thing, not his, y'all. Never forget that. So never forget, that's the first century. He's talking to those guys. We've got to remember that now. In our journeys, we've got we to choose Jesus. In moment by moment, daily activity. To remember, Satan does not have a hold on you anymore. He's never had a hold on Jesus. Jesus never had sin. How does he get a hold on us according to the scriptures? Sin. Right? He engrapples us, strongholds. It says, the power of the Holy Spirit can free us from that stuff. Moment by moment, walking in light of the truth. Application family. Remember who's in control. God wants us moment by moment to remind ourselves who's in control. And I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to de- de- decipher this. Not in a religious sense. This is, not, this is not a bunch of propaganda. We're not giving debate speeches. It's not about, remember who's in control, girl? You know what I'm saying? I'm not, don't, I just, I want us to just, to, to, to marinate in this stuff, not just saying Christian stuff. Who is in control? You know? I got to apologize to Sarah, because I, you know, I was like, man, I, I said, sweetie, I just, I get upset, and I don't know how to react, and I say something harsh, and I just, I just forget like, so the Lord's in control. What am I doing? It's my, it's my baby. You know, I, in trying to, in, little, in, in aspects of relationship. And how do we do that? Knowing the truth and simply 
Building your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That he's given, he's given us this power source that brings glory to Jesus, brings glory to the Lord, and he says when we know his truth, not just become an intellectual, it's not intellectual ascent, but when we yield to the Lord and we say, I want to just continue to take steps. See, we say this, and you know what happens? We go, cool, we leave here, I want to know your truth, Lord. And then we look at this thing, we go, whoa, 66 bucks? And then heaven forbid you start in, in the Pentateuch. That's where all my casualties are. Right? But the Lord is saying, no, don't feel like, oh, if I don't know all this in three months or a year, then I'm missing out. No, no, no. See, that's a, this, is a, this, is a, this is a marathon. Let's just slowly develop our hearts in Christ with his truth. It's day by day, grafting a little more, dedicating yourself to the Lord, reading the scriptures, building your diet, building your muscles, being in community, making yourself known spending time in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to continue to give you that strength, and God is going to work in our hearts. Let me pray for us. Uh, we're going to do tithing. And um, if you're new here, please keep your, your wallets to your side. Keep your purses. 